For this cause, I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole world in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. That is the doctrinal section of Ephesians chapter 6, where we will be this morning, looking specifically at verse 14. If I have the victory, why am I not winning? If you have the victory, why are you not winning? In Ephesians, Paul describes the spiritual riches into which each believer has been born. Paul challenges us to use those resources. He commands us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He challenges us to put on the armor of God which he has provided. Chapter 6, beginning at verse 10, the background that we saw from last week is, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And then we come to today's text. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Introduced in 2013, the Talos exoskeleton was a big issue for the Army. Talos stands for Tactical Assault Light Operator Suit. It was under development to assist uh, Army personnel in being able to lift heavy loads. It was supposed to be able to help them protect them from bullets. It was to provide them with information that was happening around them, as well as being able to communicate from one to another. The suit was filled with sensors and camera equipment and advanced imaging displays. It was under development by the engineers at MIT. It was also in the United States Army Research Development and Engineering Command, as well as other academic researchers were working on this special exoskeleton suit. Exco meaning outside, something you would put on. So this was supposed to be a very special unit 
and special suit. Talos was supposed to have been bulletproof, 360-degree cameras with built-in night vision capabilities, sensors that could detect injuries and supply wound sealing foam. It kind of sounds like something from Marvel Comics, doesn't it? Maybe some of you have heard of Iron Man, and it sounds like something they would have thought was, this is totally cartoon. This was what the Army's been working on. Maybe some of you have followed it in the news, and you have seen pictures of this suit. Now, according to the news, in February of this year, they say that the project is dead. I personally don't think that it will be because we have this desire to be totally protected. We have this desire to be able to go out and defeat our enemies and not be hurt. The Iron Man series, I think there's three of them, grossed over $1 billion in people watching it in the theaters. Why are they so fascinating? Why are all those Marvel superheroes so fascinating? Because I believe inside each of us, we want to be able to say, I can defeat the enemy. I can win. And I believe it comes from something that the world is trying to replace. You see, in our text this morning, God says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the tricks, the wiles, the schemes of the devil. And then he says in verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you this armor, so that ye may be able to stand. More of a loose translation, but the King James is a little difficult to read there. Literally what he's saying, so that while you're in the middle of the battle, you will not be defeated, but in fact at the end you will stand victorious. It is more of an encouragement rather than an indictment of saying, you just better stand, buddy. Really what it's saying is you can stand. Imitating what God has done for us. You know, God told us he would provide the strength and the armor. It has an unlimited internal power supply. It has unlimited detection capability for all of Satan's attacks. It will warn you ahead of time. In a lot of the cartoons, it's some supercomputer that tells you all these different things. Because that's the only thing we can think of that could be so smart. But in reality, God gave him himself. He gave us the Holy Spirit. And you know, if you've received Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit lives within you. And he literally can detect everything that's going on. And he can warn you. So the question that I have is, if I have the victory, why am I not winning? Let's pray together. Our Father, in these next few moments, I pray that you would use your word in our lives. I pray that you would teach us. I pray that the Holy Spirit would freely work among us. I pray that today would be a day when, through your word, through the Holy Spirit, through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, our lives would be different because we've spent time with you. Lord, I pray for some today who have not received Jesus Christ as their Savior. I pray that today the lies of Satan would be 
revealed. And I pray that today would be a day of salvation as we remember, as we observe what Jesus Christ has done for us. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Many years ago, our family went to a children's, well, it really was, I was going to say a children's museum, but it really wasn't a children's museum. It was an an amusement park. And one of the amusement park areas had a magician. So we went in, it was a hot day. So we went into the studio and the magician was going to do tricks. He and he had an assistant that, I don't know, was about my, about my height. Not quite as big as what I am, but anyway, his assistant was a little smaller. And we watched him do some of the things that you kind of get used to seeing. First of all, he made a ketchup bottle disappear. And then he took his assistant and folded her into an 18-inch cube. And then she, he put her into this closet kind of thing and made her disappear And then finally, he put her into this box that kind of looked like a coffin and then used big, wide steel blades and cut her into a number of pieces. And and then we all left and had a great afternoon. And I got to thinking afterwards, you know, I have no idea what, how he did what he did, but it was kind of the run of the mill magic show, right? I mean, you see people disappear and reappear and chopped in half and folded up and you just figure, okay, whatever. We know it's not true, but... I have no idea how they did it. But can you imagine with me for just a moment someone who's never seen a magic show? Someone who does not understand. This is all tricks. And they've just seen somebody cut in multiple pieces, made to, be, made to disappear, and folded multiple times into an 18-inch cube. And then you see a help wanted sign out front. <laughs> Would you volunteer for that job? If you're smart, you would say, absolutely not. He goes through a person every day. Because we don't understand the trick. You see, what I want you to recognize this morning is Satan is a liar. And Satan wants to trick us into believing what is not true. Every day, he is putting something before every one of us. And every one of us look at what's being said And we have to really say, is that true? Is that not true? Last week, we began looking at the importance of putting on the armor. It does no good to mount your armor on the wall or to keep it in the trunk of your car. It doesn't do any good. He says, put on the whole armor of God. He says, take unto you, wherefore take up this armor of God. And I want us to look at some common battlefields that we go through. But I want you to notice, Peter says, for as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. What mind? That you will suffer in the flesh. One of the things that we often get caught off guard in, and especially in America, because we have it so easy. Because we're not outwardly persecuted, we don't see our friends being taken out and in, in put in jail or worse, being killed, we forget the kind of battle that we're in. He says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, 
Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit their, the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. All throughout the New Testament, we are reminded we're in a spiritual battle. Right now, some of you, you've heard this, and therefore your mind is kind of maybe backpedaling, trying to figure out, okay, tell me something new. Tell me something exciting today. As a review, what did Paul tell us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10? The purpose of the armor is to keep us from being injured. Let these facts settle in. This week, I've had to just ask the Holy Spirit, please open my eyes again. You know, make your word like Kellogg's cornflakes, where you taste them again for the first time. And you always listen to that and you go, wow, what was that? Well, it's because it's something you've known all about and you've become so familiar with, you cease to really pay attention to it. The reality is the purpose of the armor is to keep us from being injured. It will not keep you from being attacked. So if the question today is, will I keep from being injured, but not will I keep from being attacked, now all of a sudden the armor becomes very important because you will be attacked. And so often we don't even think about what's happening to us. Armor is to keep you from getting hurt, not from being attacked. Armor is not for relaxation, but for battle. And there will be lulls in the battle, Matthew chapter 4. There was a time when Jesus was attacked, Jesus was tempted, and Satan left. But was that the last time Jesus was ever attacked by Satan? And the answer is absolutely not. It was just a lull before the next attack. What I want you to recognize today, what I've prayed that God would open your eyes today to such a simple truth is, you are going to be attacked. The question is, will you get hurt? The question is not... Will you be attacked? If you've received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are under attack. And you say, well, I've not received Christ as my Savior. Then you're definitely under attack as well because Satan still hates you because every time he sees you, he's reminded of your Creator. And he hates God. He wants to be worshipped. Also, we are engaged in an unending war against sin which easily besets us. Notice what Daniel wrote. And such as do wickedly shall he corrupt with flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. In the Lord Jesus Christ, we share what is his. We can do nothing without him. John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. The word wiles means tricks or deceit. It literally means he is tricking and deceiving you. Satan is in the business of tricking and deceiving. And if you don't think you're going to be tricked and deceived, you're already down the path. Because you're not aware you're going to be deceived. You know, once you know something's wrong, all of a sudden, your antenna's up, right? You're looking around, you're going, okay, I'm not going to get caught again with that. I'm going to be very cautious. Satan can't make you do anything anymore. Once you've received Christ as your Savior, he's no longer your master. 
So he deceives us into thinking we've got to do something. Ephesians 4.14 and Ephesians 6.11 talks about his craftiness, his schemes, his strategies. And Paul to the Corinthian people wrote, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. God, through the writings of Paul, is telling us how we can live and not regret it. God is telling us how we can have victory and win. You know, the, the biggest struggle we have, and before we even get into our text today of verse 14, here's the concern. Here's the concern I have in my life, and I would ask you to consider in your own. We have to recognize that we need help before we will ever accept help. If you don't think you need help today, why would you accept help? Let me help you with that. I can do it. It happens with children, but you know what happens with adults all the time. Here, let me, let, me, let me hold that for you. No, I can do this. As the person is kind of juggling this and using one foot to kind of prop the door and hoping to kind of slide through the door. Why wouldn't they let you help? Because we're independent. We want to do things on our own. And that we would say, well, that's good. You need to be independent. Not in your spiritual life because you are not able of yourself to do this. You know, recognizing our weakness is the first step to strength. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Was Paul saying before I was strong? No, Paul was saying, I finally recognized what my condition really was. I'm weak, therefore, now I'm finally on my path to being strong. And I want you to just consider for a moment, think of all the notable people in the scriptures. You say, well, I can handle this, Pastor. I, I think you're over, you're over making your case. Okay, well, let's just think of a few people. Let's think of Adam. Adam was perfect. Adam lived in a perfect environment. Adam fell to the wiles of the devil. Hmm. How about the patriarchs? Which of the patriarchs, those that were so close with God, which of the patriarchs did not fall, fall trapped to the wiles of the devil? I can't think of one. How about the prophets, those people that spoke for God? How many of the prophets were able to defeat Satan and not give in to the wiles of the devil? I don't know. We've got Elijah. I would love to be an Elijah. And Elijah wanted to die. The Apostle Paul came to a place to where he said, I wanted to die. All of a sudden we begin realizing today the things that we experience are nothing new because everything that we are experiencing today, people in the past, these notable believers, how about the kings? who had all this power and authority in the Old Testament. 
Which of them didn't succumb to the wiles of the devil? How about a man after God's own heart? Did he ever succumb to the wiles of the devil? And so today, when we think about all these notable people in the past, and then we have the nerve to come in and say, oh, I don't need that. I can do this on my own. I don't need God's armor today. I don't need God's strength today. I can do this, God. I got this. Do you see how easy it is for us every morning when we get up to be deceived into thinking, I don't need God's power. You see, today, in actuality, what we really need is a mind adjustment. You don't really need anything new today that I can preach to you. The problem is we know lots. We just don't put it on. We don't use it. So how about for you? Why don't you put on the armor that God's given to you? Why don't I? To you strong believers, you mature believers, can I ask you a question? And it's not to be unkind. It's because I think all of us need to be pushed. If you're so strong, why do you fail so often? If I'm so strong, why do I fail so often? You know, the simple answer is, we are weak. Wasn't that a blessing this morning? Now you're, now you're feeling good about yourself, aren't you? No, not so good. But you see, the, the thing is, God has to tell us the truth. God has to get us to a point where we recognize what and who we are so that we can enjoy what he's given because until we need what he has given, we won't use what he's given and we leave our armor on the wall or in the trunk and we don't use it. And then we're defeated and we walk around saying, if I have the victory, why am I not winning? I was challenged this week by a pastor, one of the sermons that I was reading, I was just asking God to fill my heart. And as I was reading, I was thinking about, you know, he said, when you read the New Testament, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. When you read the Gospels, do you read how Jesus, do you look for how Jesus defeated Satan? Do you look for how Jesus handled temptations? Do you look for how he responded, recognizing when he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, literally, you've got the potential power in the power of his, and then might is the practical application of that power. It's the using of that power. We were challenged, I was challenged, look at Jesus, see all the reserves of power and the strength that he has. Looking at Jesus shows us how to have power, shows us we can depend on him, and gives us the resources to have victory over Satan. Simply, what does James say? James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The question is how to resist, and these verses give us that information. Let's look at verse 14 together. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. So he begins with this simple thing. He says, 
Stand with your loins girt about with truth. You know, we have truth. We have truth in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say? I am the truth. We have the spirit of truth. We have the word of truth. And in fact, the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Why? Because truth is the only way that you can defeat Satan's lies. Truth is so important. Truth was under all these other things. That's the reason why he describes it. He talks about the belt of truth. Literally, it's not just a belt, which some of us would think about, but it's literally, it was a piece of leather that would go on. Now, you could use that leather for tucking other things into as it was around you. I brought a piece of leather here this morning, which is interesting. This was tan in 1958. My wife says, why do you keep it in the house? And I don't know. But this was off of a deer. But what I'm always amazed at is how soft this is. It was beautifully done. But this would be so much more comfortable against the skin when you're putting on other things. Truth that he's describing for us here, he says that truth, he says, I want you to put on this sash, this belt, this middle piece. He says, I want you to put on truth. In one of the messages I was reading this week, I appreciated that the pastor turned it toward preachers and said, you know, it's so easy to take a verse and to try to teach something that would be really good for everybody and to take a verse and teach it, but it's not the context of what Scripture says. And we teach opinions as if that's what God said. Therefore, you all get so used to hearing preaching, and what do people say? Well, he's just preaching. He's just preaching. He's not really telling us what God says, and we kind of get used to it. You know, and the preacher's all lathered up, and you go home and go, oh, that, was, that was interesting. Boy, he was passionate about what he said. But you don't go home saying, thy word is truth. You don't go home saying, the context of that genuinely is what it says. And maybe a preacher in all sincerity is preaching something or maybe a man or a woman goes to a door and they say something, but it's not true. And if it's not true, it does not offer protection. You see, that's the thing that's so important today. Today, you ought to be saying, tell me what God's word says. Don't just try to shape my life so that I'm protected from things. Let God's word protect you. Let the Holy Spirit direct you. Let the Holy Spirit be the one who says, this is what it says. I know this week as I was reading in the scriptures, and it was like I was getting hammered by the Holy Spirit saying, don't do this and don't do this. And, don't. and it wasn't like, you know, you shouldn't wear a striped suit. God was just saying, don't do this and don't do this. And I thought, am I taking this for serious? Am I taking this for real? Or am I just reading this and say, I had my devotions today. You see, when it comes to truth, you have two choices. Either you will believe what you perceive to be the truth, or you will embrace and believe what God says. 
How often in our marriages, how often with our children, how often with our acquaintances, how often in our businesses, how often do we say, well, I think this is kind of the way we should go. And I think God's word says something about washing your hands or doing something. And we don't know what it says. And then we get hammered and we say, God, why am I getting hammered? Why don't I have the victory? And the answer is, he says, put on truth. Interestingly enough, if you were to go back in the original language, you would find this is in a middle voice and it's in a past tense. What he's telling you is you need to choose and you need to put on what God has given you. You have the choice. You can put it on the wall. You can leave it in the trunk. Just because God gave it doesn't mean you're going to use it. Oh. That's why he says, wherefore... Put on the whole armor of God. You see, unless we practice the truth, we will not use God's word. Satan's strategy, as we saw on Wednesday night, is to keep us ignorant of God's will. Satan doesn't want us to know God's will. In fact, if he can't do that, we're going to study in a couple weeks. Do you know another thing that, God will, that, that Satan will try to do? If he can't get us to be ignorant of God's will, he will try to make us to operate independent of God's will. Yeah, but you don't know my circumstances. Well, you're absolutely right, I don't. But God does, and God says this, and God never lies, and God's never wrong. So, if you are wanting to be independent of God's will and God's word, look out. You're in for trouble. First Corinthians chapter 13 says this, Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Love doesn't ever take satisfaction from a lie. Imagine if our marriages were honest. If each partner in a marriage was totally truthful. Now, remember, we've, we've studied lots on that. We speak the truth in love. We use mercy when we use the truth, but we always do truth. Unrighteousness and truth. It's an interesting contrast, maybe a strange contrast Righteousness is always based on God's truth. So we have two pieces. He says, first of all, put on this close to the skin. Put on truth. Make that part of what you're going to always operate by. That's what allows all this other armor to not be so chafing, not be difficult for you, because you've started with truth. And then he goes to the next part, and that is in verse 14. He says, and having on the breastplate... Of righteousness. I thought this was interesting. In Isaiah chapter 59, verse 17, it talks about this spiritual armor. And he says for us, he's not describing God's righteousness, he's describing the righteousness of the individual that's putting it on. To neglect what we know leaves a gaping hole in our armor. So it starts with truth. You've got to know the truth, and then it goes to righteousness, which is your personal integrity. What will you do? Will you do things because it's right, or will you do it because other people are watching? Church is often that way. 
And society is definitely that way. You know, is, is there a traffic camera? Is there a police officer? Is there a concerned citizen that is near me? I'm by myself. Now what will I do? All of a sudden, we're confronted with who we are. The life we live either fortifies us against Satan's attacks or it makes it easier for him to defeat us. Remember in Ephesians chapter 4 where he says, don't give place to the devil. What we choose to live will either fortify us or will cause us to fail. If I have the victory, why am I not winning? And if God says, you will be able to stand and I'm not standing, where does the problem lie? Personal integrity, doing what's right because it's right. If you've flown recently, or if you're trying to fly this summer, maybe you're familiar with the Boeing 737 MAX. How many are excited to jump in a 737 MAX today and fly? At first, I thought it was news, and I started talking to pilots. My cousin flies the 737 MAX. I had a flight that was delayed when I was coming back just recently, and the pilot was standing there, and I said, hey, tell me what's your opinion on the 737 MAX? And he looked at me, and he goes, well, he said, it's a bad airplane. <laughs> I was like, what? He said, yeah, I fly it all the time. And I said, and you fly a bad airplane? He goes, yeah. He said, it's tricky. Now, I'm not trying to scare you out of flying. What I am telling you is this. What bothers me is that Boeing knew. Does that bother you? They knew that the entire thing of their airplanes is based on integrity. If you have an airplane and you're saying, I've built this and it's safe for you to fly on it, and I know there's a problem with this, and I know that the reason why they didn't say anything about it was they've tried to make this plane, if you fly a 737, you're supposed to be able to fly every 737. That's the reason why they didn't make a new airplane, but they stayed with the 737. So that everybody who started flying them in the 70s, if you're type rated on a 737, you can fly every 737. So what do they do? They keep making these changes to make them bigger, faster, stronger, more fuel efficient. And there was a point where Boeing was in a hurry because Airbus was gonna do something. And rather than start with a fresh slate, they tried to manipulate it and they knew there was a problem. So now, they've grounded all these maxes. And now, they're saying, we've got a fix. How many are going to believe right away, oh, Boeing's telling the truth. They've got a fix for this. Say, so, do I have something on my back? Why? Because integrity was the problem. If you don't tell the truth, where does it stop? Now, I love flying. I hope Boeing gets it together. I don't want to see an American company go under. But we're being confronted with something that, you know what, every one of us in our lives is confronted with, and that is, if we pretend to be what we are not, where does it stop? 
And the bigger thing is, that's how Satan's going to attack us. Righteousness. Putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Having a clear conscience is going to be important. Because Satan's going to beat you up. Satan beats me up. I'll do something. He comes back. Think with me about a man after God's own heart. Wouldn't you like to be a man after God's own heart? Hmm, can you think of a man in Scripture that's named a man after God's own heart? Consider David when he lied about his sin with Bathsheba. For over a year, he seemed vulnerable to every bad thing. When he would lay down at night, you know what was going through his mind? Conviction, conviction, conviction. Satan was beating him up. Whoso confesseth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth, whoso covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh shall find mercy. You see, guilt keeps us from standing. Maybe today some of you would say, I got some things I got to deal with. It'll keep you from standing until you get a clear conscience. When we disobey God, Satan moves in for the final kill. You're not a very good Christian. You go to church, you read your Bible, you try to serve the Lord, and now you do this? If the people at the church only knew what you were really like. I hope you've not gone through that, but I'm going to guess probably nearly everyone has had those kinds of things go through their minds. You know, before you sin, Satan says, you can do it. You can get away with it. No one will know. After you sin, Satan says, you're never going to get away with this. You're going to get caught. You know, the wicked flee when nobody's pursuing them. So Paul warns us that Satan is trying to deceive us into thinking that we are not really in a battle or that the battle is really with an individual rather than with spiritual wickedness. In fact, God may place people in our lives to show us the real battle that we're in. You're going to be attacked in your family, in your marriage, with your coworkers. And he says, recognize, oh, Satan's got all kind of people that are out there. Satan's going to use people, but your real battle is Satan, and you can stand. If you go in God's strength and you use God's equipment. Just looked at two this morning, truth and righteousness. On April 29th of 2011, Sergeant Tim Gilbo made a split-second split decision to make his body the only thing between his fellow American soldiers and the enemy's weapon. And what had happened was, Sergeant Gilbo was, he saw that a backpack that was full of ammunition was on fire, so he laid down his weapon and began trying to put the fire out. It was only then that he realized an enemy combatant had come around the corner with an AK-47 and was pointing it right at him, and he made a split-second decision. He just got up and ran at the guy. 
And he says this. He said, so I knew what was going to happen. Obviously, I didn't want him to run a burst all the way up me, which was going to be his intent. So he says, luckily, being able to run there and get him close enough, he didn't know, he didn't, and I don't know if he ran out of rounds or if he got a jam, but he only got off one shot. He said, that round hit the very bottom of my body armor. And he said, obviously, I'm happy I got a large and not a medium. And all of a sudden, we realize, wow, the armor. Now, you take an armor, you, you, you take a round into your body armor, and they tell me, I've not done this. They say it still hurts, but it won't kill you. Now, imagine with me. We learn from Scripture, he says, put on the whole armor of God. Take unto you the whole armor of God. You need two things. You need the strength of Christ and you need the armor of God. Put these on together, recognizing your own weakness and recognizing your own vulnerability. And he says, you can stand today. Put on the gospel armor, each piece Put on with prayer. I would ask you this question. Is there an area in your life that you're believing a lie? Have, are you wearing the belt of truth? Is that the thing that is in your life and becomes how you think? Could I encourage you today? Spend time in God's word. Look for what it's saying. Look for things about our Lord Jesus Christ. God wants you to win. He's provided the victory. But why aren't you winning? You've got to say, I must know the truth. I cannot lean on my own understanding. I need to make sure it is completely what God's word says. And then how about rightness? Now that you know the truth... Will you do the truth? Integrity, doing the truth, how I live because I know the truth. One last thing I want to just challenge you with, and that is some this morning, I want to ask you, are you really thinking about the truth concerning eternity, concerning good things, concerning relationships? For some reason, some this morning, and I don't know your thoughts but I know each of us have reasons for why we think, I don't think I'm going to get saved. I don't think I'm going to receive this. Maybe because someone who claimed to be a Christian did something that is so unchristian that now you say, I don't think I want Christianity. Could I just challenge your thinking for a moment? Scripture says, every good thing and every perfect gift is from above. It's from God. Think of anything that you really enjoy. Some people will say, I'm not going to go to heaven. I'm going to go to hell because all my friends are going there. The big thing you need to first start with is who gives friendships? Who's the one who gave us relationships? Who's the one who knew what you would need? God. God is not in hell. The absence of God is everything that's awful. Don't let people cause you to misjudge what our God is like.
God gives good things. Eternity. God put time in us so that we would recognize the importance of making decisions. But when we die, we go into eternity. And whatever we go into eternity with is what we're locked with. Without God, nothing good. Without God, all the blessings that you enjoy, even now as an unsaved person, are gone. There are no friendships. No one's going to be kind to you. Those friends that you enjoy doing wrong with, there's no joy there. Could I encourage you, don't put off. Don't put off knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Same way in daily living. Trust God. Look at his word. Salvation is credible. We say it's incredible because we go, wow, who could, who could have thought such a wonderful thing? But the fact is it's all credible. You can follow the reasoning. You can look at it. And though you may not always understand, you can say, yes, I can see the line. It works. Satan can't walk you down that line. If I have the victory, why am I not winning? God says you can. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning as we come before you,